This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain. Today on the podcast, we are continuing to talk through the Long Hollow Revival, and we're going to talk about something I'm pretty excited about, pressing in or pressing on. Mm. We are at a point here as we continue through this story. We talked about uh, your year of, of praying and seeking God for personal revival. We've talked about the amazing uh, Sunday we had that, that blew our minds uh, with 99 baptisms, followed by a couple days later, 80-something baptisms on a Tuesday night prayer service that we just said, hey, let's just meet together and pray. That's all we're going to do. Open the doors. Two days before Christmas. Why don't we meet together and pray? <laughs> No, I don't even think it was meet together and pray yet. It, it was just, it let's, just, open, the yeah, let's open the doors and see happens. who comes to be baptized. Right, we right, sent one email right. and one uh, message online, and that was it. That's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast. We want to remember what God ha- has done and celebrate what God is continuing to do. Yeah, and we, more and more importantly, we want to encourage you. It, exactly, yes. You may be a pastor listening to some of this and thinking, man, I want God to do something like that at my church. And I would just say, if someone would have called us uh, in November— and just said, hey, God's about to, to do something great in your midst. I, I think we would believe it, but I'm not sure we would have believed it at the level of what God is doing. No, and, and honestly, a, a couple of things just to clarify. Number one, you may be saying, are you sure this is a revival? You know, what, yeah. what you mean revival? Because a lot of people hear revival and it's a, it's a marked date on the calendar. You know, yes. we're going to have revival for the week and, yeah. <laughs> and we drum up, uh, you right. know, things for God to come. Sure. We, we believe, and obviously... Um, it's only the Lord, but we believe this is a genuine move of the Lord mm. that is now spreading out to other churches. That's why we use the term revival, because there are, are people now watching with the use of technology mm. and the Internet and online church yeah. uh, services that are watching Long Hollow yeah. being moved in the spirit to be baptized at their own churches now. And so we're getting reports as right. recently as the last two weeks. Right of people who have seen what's happened here mm-hmm. and went to their pastor and said, would you baptize me? But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yes. Because we're going to tell those stories more in depth too. And and what we wanted to do today is we continue past that Tuesday time frame. We're kind of walking through it slightly chronologically is we had a decision to make after an incredible Sunday, hundreds of people baptized between Sunday and Tuesday and Christmas is coming. And I feel like in my mind as a church leader, I was thinking, man, God is great. Let's see what happens in 2021 versus I think the way you were thinking at that point is God is great. And I want more of what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's exactly what happened. (laughs) We had gotten to a place where after Tuesday, uh, as, as you can imagine, I mean, we just baptized what 180 people, I think 180 Mm -hmm. people, over 180 people at that point. In fact, I got the exact number because I was documenting what the Lord was doing. Um, December 22nd, we baptized 103. December 24th, so we're going into Christmas with 186. Now, I'm going to tell you the baptism on Wednesday. That's pretty amazing. And this is really where, Chris, it started. I had known at that point 185 people on December 23rd. In COVID, let me just remind you a couple of things. In COVID, we're online exclusively now. Vacation. People are barricaded, sequestered in their homes mm-hmm. because of the virus. Tennessee is leading the country 
yeah. in cases. Our services are not meeting in person at that point. Yeah, people in Tennessee, you know, people in Tennessee never thought it was a real thing anyway to begin with, unfortunately, some people. Uh, and now it's just got some, but they, they know now it's a real deal. And so now we're all kind of nervous. And so we have everything stacked against us, mm. okay? And so I believe, I mean, it, like you, in, in three days to baptize 185 people, if that would have been it, we would have talked about those three days forever. I mean, I would have talked about that for the rest of my ministry. Y'all remember that three-day period at Long Hollow where we baptized 185 people? 85% at that time were adults, mostly adults. Many over 60, if you go back and look at the videos, which you can look at those service dates, many of them over 60 years old. In fact, if you haven't seen the videos... Robert is going to link that or add that link to the show notes for the podcast so you can you can watch that. It's well worth a watch. I Just watch go watch one of times. them. I watch it numerous times. I dare you to try to watch it without crying. I dare you. It's pretty. It's it, you pretty can't. Good. I mean, it's it's impossible to do that. Uh, uh, so anyway, we're going into uh, Christmas Eve, okay, the day before Christmas Eve, and I get an email from my assistant. Actually, I get the email on Tuesday, and the email is this. My mother has been watching you online. They, they, they go to Long Hollow, but the mom is uh, sickly, and so she was in the hospital, and she said, Mom's been watching you online, so she can't come in person. Mm. We, are, uh, we are faithful members of Long Hollow, obviously, because of COVID, we haven't been a lot, but Mom just got sent home today with hospice, mm. and she has one dying wish. This lady's in her 70s, mm. one, late 70s. One dying wish, mm. okay? What's the dying wish? That you would baptize her. Pastor, would you come and baptize my mother? She sent home with hospice. Now, this is, uh, this is Tuesday afternoon. I get the email, and I respond. And, and right then, I have to say, when we left the Tuesday service, if you remember, I was so jazzed up and so fired up. We were supposed to be off, okay? We were supposed to be off between the Sunday before Christmas and the su- and the Sunday after Christmas right. and even through New Year's. Well, and, and I think I keep that thought, but I think it's important to remember it's Sunday you were pre- you preached that service Sunday. Eight, uh, 99 people got baptized on Sunday morning and then you made the announcement we're not going to meet for 4 weeks. It was almost like you you went to the the altar and port and said let's put some water on the altar. Yeah. Yeah, this is Elijah once again. There's not enough water, put more on the wood. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And I hesitantly said that, like, are we going to, and we're going to talk about that in a future uh, episode, yeah. what God is teaching us about his uh, ministry and the move of God in the use of technology, because it flies in the face of everything you've ever read about in books and biographies for years. Mm-hmm. So I get this email on a Tuesday night, and when I got it, I'd just gotten a uh, lecture, if you will, a strong encouragement from my leadership team, which Chris is one of. Uh, which said to me, Pastor, you have to take a break. I, I was pretty jazzed up. I was, you know, I was I there think working. You slept since that Sunday. No, I didn't sleep. I, I honestly did not sleep because I was baptizing during the week. I was baptizing on Monday. I was baptizing on Tuesday. Yes. Uh, we had the Tuesday night service. I was ready to meet on Christmas Day. You know, they were hoping, Pastor, please do not call a Christmas Day baptism service. So they looked at me and said, You have got to take some days just because we were running pretty hard from August. And I said, Okay. And then that night I got the email. It was from this lady, and she said, my mother, uh, I think her name was Teresa, and she said, my mother uh, just got sent home with hospice, mm-hmm. and she said, she has a wish that you would come baptize her. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
the first thing I did when I read that email was, man, I'd love to do that, but my staff just told me you probably need to take a break. So I wanted to say to her, um, can I push it back a day or two? Yeah. Okay. Can I push it back till the day after Christmas, maybe? Right. And uh, but something just just convicted me. Yeah. And the spirit really, I believe it was the spirit, just really spoke to me, and I thought, no, you have to do this now. Mm-hmm. So I emailed her back and I said, I'll be there tomorrow at noon. Can I come at noon? She said, Yes, you can do that at noon. So I got together, brother Tim Lafleur. Mm-hmm. Many of you know Tim on the podcast. Tim. Our uh, equipping pastor here at Long Hollow works with Replicate. And I said, uh, Brother T, we're going to go anoint a lady. Now, I will say this, which is pretty interesting. We went, and it was the first time I had done a baptism like this. So I'm going to give a disclaimer now about this, and we're going to talk about it after the break. But it is a baptism unlike any that I've ever done before, and it's a unique baptism because of the circumstances. Right. It, w- it was not a situation where you could do things normally because of a medical ca- medical condition. Yes. And so you had to adapt. And we'll talk more about that on the other side of this break. As you lead your disciple-making movement, the Replicate Network provides ongoing practical training and a community of like-minded church leaders to help you and your church thrive. Each month, you'll get frameworks, a Q&A time with Robbie Gallaty, and access to our online forums and groups. We will provide you with prayer and personal support, practical resources, discounts, and benefits as you seek to make disciples who make disciple makers. Check out the Replicate Network today at replicatenetwork.com. And we're back talking about pressing in or pressing on the decision we as leaders had to make. And again, just to follow God and what he was doing. Uh, again, none of this is orchestrated by us. We didn't have a game plan. We didn't have a step-by-step. We weren't trying to manufacture anything. We were just like, God, what you're doing is incredible. and We want more of it. And mm-hmm. so we talked through uh, where we're at. And we, we talked about this lady that uh, was really in, in, in the last days of her life uh, in hospice and she had this request that you would come. She'd been watching what's going on at Long Hall, and she wanted to be baptized. And so she contacted you. You got your longtime mentor and one of our staff members, our equip- equipping pastor, Bro T, and headed over to her house yeah. to baptize her. And we talked about her medical condition um, and and just the situation she was in would not allow a uh, getting up from where she's at, going full to immersion, full immersion. Right, right. Yeah. So. Um, we found out the, the scenario, which was she was immovable mm-hmm. uh, in the bed. She was very frail. Yeah. She was obviously on the on the verge of death. Mm-hmm. And so Tim calls me and he says, uh, what do you think we ought to do, Pastor? And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> let's do some research through the history uh, of the church and through the centuries to see if there are any concessions right. for a person who's dying or a person who is unable to get under the water into the yeah. water. And so brother Tim did some research and that morning I had a, a, a first time meeting with Dylan Brown. Mm. So Dylan Brown and I went to Panera. Now for those who are following Dylan Brown was the man who actually, uh, really God really used him early on, 
um, to, to help spark this revival because he was the 10 year former Satan worshiper yeah. and got radically saved. And, uh, I think we've talked about that story. Haven't yeah. we? Okay. So Dylan Brown gets radically saved. And, um, so we're meeting and he's telling me his testimony. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting there at Panera and I'm telling you the hair on the back of my neck is standing up. As he said, he came to Long Hollow mm -hmm. and I said, well, how did you come to Long Hollow as a student at the school across the street. Yeah. And he said, uh, I came to Long Hollow um, and I saw a bunch of students. This is what he said. What an indictment on the church. A bunch of students who were jazzed up for Jesus on Wednesday and then went back to school and lived no different than the pagan friends mm -hmm. that they were in class with. Yeah. And he said, what really drove me to Satanism, and this is what was full force dro drove me in. He said, were the parents who knew this was happening mm -hmm. and allowed it. Hmm. He said, I saw the whole thing uh, as hypocrisy, drove me to Satanism. So he told me the story about how he went on the internet yeah. and he searched, I didn't know you could search this, how to sell your soul to the devil. Wow. Did you know you could do that? I, I knew I could go on Google and ask questions. That's not a question I've yeah. ever even thought. I, don't, I never thought to ask ask that Thank question. Lord, I never thought. Golly, I'm telling you, I'm at Panera trying to sip hot coffee with a straight face. I mean, it was tough. And he told me how he met. Uh, he was getting a tattoo at the same time. And if you've seen pictures of Dylan, he's got tattoos from head to toe from that lifestyle. And he said, "I'm getting a tattoo," and the tattoo artist tells me. Uh, hey, listen, I can help you with that. I'm a Satan worshiper, Anton LaVey, high priest uh, in the movement, and I can help you. Hmm. And so he says, let's go out to a field. They go out to a field. They make a bonfire. They uh, put a pentagram on the ground. They, they draw it in blood from the sacrifice of an animal. He slits a part of his wrist. He makes a deal and repeats this uh, seance-type uh, ritual. And he tells me these words, and this is right before we're leaving to go baptize this lady. He says, Robbie, when I looked into the fire, I saw the face of Satan. Hmm. And uh, I said, oh, really? And he said, yep. And he said, from that point on, for the next 10 years of my life, I was successful by the world standards. Hmm. He said, everything I touched was successful. Women, partying, money, uh, possessions, yeah. jobs, you, you name it, drugs. I mean, he, he said everything by the world standards. He said, but here's the thing. He said, what Satan did to me is he said on the outside, I will look successful on the inside. I was a hollow shell. Hmm. I was empty. And he said, what happened was I got, I went to prison. Uh, I went to jail for the fourth or fifth time. And he said, I made a deal with the Lord. He said, I tried to call out to Satan. He was no help. And so I decided, I remembered what I learned years ago at Long Hollow about the Lord. And I cried out to the Lord and I said, if you're real and you get me out of jail, I'll surrender my life to you. Kind of a fleece deal, but <laughs> I've seen God do greater things, right? And so he gets out of jail miraculously. He comes and finds the only Christian he knows, which is Danny, who is the leader of our Celebrate Recovery, recovery ministry here. He goes to Danny and says, Danny, I think I'm a Christian. Danny says you need to be baptized. And so that starts the move. So I'm sitting there with, with, uh, with Dylan and I say, hey, listen, and I, this is one of those instances where I spoke before I thought. Not, not that I would have taken it back, but you're gonna see what I'm talking about. So I say, hey, I'm about to go baptize a lady in her home because I'm always yeah. big on discipleship and taking people with me and doing ministry, yeah. which was great for him, obviously. But 
I didn't ask the people <laughs> before yeah. I brought Dylan with me. And again, yeah. and again, I said, hey, w- would you want to come? He said, absolutely. Hanging with you, hanger boat, Tim, I'm in. And so as we're driving to switch cars and everybody getting in one car, I realize I'm about to bring a former Satan worshiper tatted from head to toe yes. to the home of a hospice patient <laughs> of a sweet old couple. You didn't think about that yeah. long enough. But then the Lord reminded me. Yeah, but then you have Tim LaFleur, former alcoholic. Then we have you, a former drug addict and alcoholic. Dylan, a former Satan. Right. This is the this is the motley crew of Christianity right here, right. guys. I mean, yeah. this is it. And so we walk into the home, and as we drive there, Tim says, in the Didache, which is an ancient writing back in the uh, first, second century, which was kind of a manual, if you, if you know this. Uh, they found it at the Dead Sea mm-hmm. uh, in the Qumran area. It was a manual on how to practice Christianity and carry out things. And in the manual, there is a concession that when there's no not enough water or there's a certain medical or situation where you can't get someone in the water, mm-hmm. you can sprinkle the head. I think it's two or three times. I think yeah. it's how you do it. So we went in there and we had to give Dylan and uh, another guy who was with us a disclaimer. You're going to see two Baptist pastors yeah. sprinkle a lady. So let's just, let's just get this out the way. This is not the normal way to right, baptize. Right, right. In fact, a baptism is always immersion, always after faith and just, repentance. Yeah, just a little theological side note. You know, yeah. baptism doesn't save you. We don't believe baptism saves you. Uh, God is doing incredible things through baptism in Long Hollow right now, but it is always after we've counseled, we talk through salvation. Salvation is is, is the the key. Mm-hmm. Baptism's that outward expression of salvation. So I just want to make sure as we're telling these stories, people understand that. Yes, that good good clarification. And I would say this: most of the people that we're baptizing, because you're probably wondering. What, what was it that led most of the people to baptize? I was thinking about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think most of the people, I, th- I would say half of the people we baptize, and I get to hear most of the stories, or a lot of them. Yeah. I ask them, what's your story? Most of the people say, I was christened or sprinkled mm-hmm. as a Catholic like you, as a Methodist, mm-hmm. as a Presbyterian, as a Lutheran. Yeah. Later in life, I realized I had no say in that decision. Yeah. That was something that was done to me. Mm-hmm. It was not something I had any choice in yeah. or choice in the matter. It wasn't until years later, high school, college, adult years, that I came to faith in Christ and I knew that I surrendered my life to Christ and I was born again. Mm-hmm. And now the time that's elapsed since that day till today has made it very difficult for me to be baptized mm-hmm. because of my pride. Yeah. And I say that because I know there are some listening or we have family members like that. And you need to understand that it becomes increasingly harder the longer the time is elapsed mm-hmm. between the day you surrendered your life to Christ and today. Yeah. And you, you saw it. I mean, you see it, Chris. Sure. We have baptized people. Are you ready for this? Who have waited 60 years mm. Yeah. To, to follow through about some have waited longer. I would yeah. say some even longer, but 60 years. I mean, mm-hmm. think about that. So uh, I, I want you to know baptism doesn't save you, but I really believe this is an outward sign uh, of an inward desire to follow Christ that becomes a spiritual marker. Mm-hmm. You remember the day yes. you got baptized. Yeah. I remember the day I got baptized. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it, it's something you never forget, obviously. And, and even now so, it's becoming even more uh, impactful. So we drive up to the house. The lady walks out. The, and, and keep in mind, I'd never met this couple before. Right. So they were long, long hollow members, but I never got the chance to meet them before. And so we pull up to the house and uh, they say, hey, pastor, we're glad you're here. And then they look over and immediately I say, Do you, this is my friend Dylan Brown. I asked Dylan to come with us. And she said, this is crazy. Oh, we know Dylan. We know all about Dylan. She said, we watched him baptize. We watched him be a part of the baptist. We know Dylan. I said, great. And so Dylan said, I'm glad to be here. And so we walk in the house and we tell them what we're going to do. And I, and I said, I could probably pick her up. Oh, that's what Tim told me on the way there. He said, if you move her and she gets hurt, yeah. uh, it could be really bad. You don't want to yeah. be the cause of her sure. uh, getting hurt worse. And so I said, listen, this is not normative. However, we believe that the desire of her heart right. and, the, and the water that we're going to pour over her head is going to suffice for baptism. So we yeah. go in there, Chris. We go in the room. And uh, her whole family's there. Hmm. I mean, the family's there. She's laying, she's laying in the bed. And she tells me right before we walk in, this is only the Lord. She says, Mom is not coherent. She has not been coherent since we got home. Hmm. She's in uh, kind of a, a lucid state. She's not really there. Yeah. I said, okay. So we walk in. Soon as I walk in, I said, Teresa, it's Robbie Gallaty. It was like a light switch went off. Hmm. She turned over in the bed and she looked at me. She said, Pastor Robbie, I'm so glad to see you. Hmm. Totally locked in. Wow. And I said, Teresa, we're here because you requested for us to come baptize you. And it is a privilege of mine to be able to do that. And she said, I'm so glad you came. And I said, great. So we prayed. I got a cup of water. Uh, put a towel under her head, poured it over her head a couple times. We prayed and thanked the Lord for her in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit buried with Christ, raised to walk in new life with baptism. Yeah. And I said, wow, what a joy it is to do that. She said, can I ask you a question? And she began asking me questions. I think she asked me two questions about baptism and about death and about cremation and about she was nervous to be put in a casket. It's, people have different sure. perspectives on death. I mean, she had a, she had a concern of claustrophobia. I mean, this is true. And she yeah. legitimately had this concern. She said, I just don't know if my body in a casket is something I want. Uh, what do you think about cremation? Which was an interesting question. But she's really locked in. Yeah. I mean, she's locked in. And so I said, well, I asked her answer her questions. We talked for about 10 minutes. And then Tim says, why don't we sing? You know, Tim's always good for an old gospel song. <laughs> he likes to wrap it up with a He always does this. And I'm telling you, when Tim began to sing. Yeah. The power of God entered that room, Chris. Mm. It was like we were singing with, I mean, I don't want to make too much of it, but it was almost like the angels were singing with us. So we began to sing Amazing Grace, mm. How Sweet the Sound, Saved a Wretch Like Me. And then I think we sang, sang the final one, When We've Been There, yeah. 10,000 Years, Bright Shining as the Sun. And when we finished, um, she said, thank you. And when we left, the daughter told us she went right back to being completely out of it. Hmm. It was as if the Lord, for that one window of time, not just for us, but for her family, to see her knowing, being secure in her salvation, mm -hmm. and us praying for her. Hmm. I went home. We had a great time, obviously. I was so thankful the Lord allowed me to do that. I got an email. I'm sorry. I got a text the next morning 
at 6.30 a.m. The text simply was this, Mom has gone home to be with the Lord. Wow. In 18 hours from the time we baptized and prayed for her, she entered the presence of Jesus. And I can't think of a, you think about that celebration. Yeah. Here's a woman who at the end of her life, she has one dying wish to be obedient to the Lord Jesus, even to death. Mm. And I can't help but think Jesus welcomed her into his arms. Now, the cool thing is the grandson of the, of the grandmother who died saw all this. Yeah. And I got an email the next week from the parents, and they said, Pastor Robbie, you're never going to believe this. Our grandson, or I mean our son, watched what happened to grandma, and he wants to be baptized. Mm. So it's the ripple effect <laughs> right. of obedience. And that's the thing I want yeah. us to close with today. When you're obedient... Mm-hmm. There is a ripple effect in your life where other people see your faithfulness mm-hmm. and it stirs within them something to do the same. So yeah. don't ever neglect the simple step of obedience mm-hmm. to whatever the Lord's calling to. So some are listening to that and you're saying, I need to follow through a baptism. Right. Do it. I need to apologize to someone. Do it. Mm-hmm. I need to surrender my life in an area. Do it. The greatest thing I'll leave you with as we close is obey the Holy Spirit. That's a good word, and that, is, uh, that has been a, a theme for us throughout what God has been doing these last eight, nine weeks, and we are prayerful that God will continue to move. Can't wait to continue talking through the story on the next episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or want to just share it with someone else, text them right now, send them a link, uh, rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. It'll help us out, and until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.